Let's get into the message this morning and rock this thing out. The Bible says this in Matthew 7, 24. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great, everybody say great. great, and great was the fall of it. This morning we've been working all six weeks on building up your life so you don't have the great fall, so you don't have the great crash, so you don't have the great collapse in your life. And as we jump into this morning's message, we know that as we read this uh, last part of the Sermon on the Mount, it can be summed up into four phrases. There was a person who built a house on a rock and there was a storm. Jesus is making a comparison of you and your life to a house. And the Bible, and we know this, has never wanted us to leave a generation helpless, homeless, or hopeless. And so in this, we're not going to leave a generation any longer helpless, homeless, or hopeless. And so as we jump into this morning's message, uh, it's called You or Me. You or Me is the title of this morning's message. And so as we jump into this morning's message, I want to read to you about the cornerstone. The cornerstone is this. The cornerstone or the foundation stone or the setting stone, as some refer to it, is the first stone in the construction of a foundation. It is the most important since, listen to this, all the other stones will be set in reference to this stone. Thus, this cornerstone determines the position and the, and the, and the, and of, it determines the position of the complete and entire structure itself. So the cornerstone that God is putting in place is determines the, the structure itself. It determines the position of the structure. And we want to begin to build our life on this cornerstone. People, go, people in the time when Jesus built houses, they would go around and search for days and look for the right stone to begin building construction of their house as they began to build. They never started building and then went and found the foundation to build on. Do we get the principle here? The people in Jesus today, they would spend hours and hours and days, even months, searching for the perfect stone to make the foundation of their whole house because they built generational housing. It wasn't just for them, but for their children and their grandchildren to come up after them. So they would look for the perfect stone, and however that stone was, stone was set, it would set the course for how the whole house would be built. And so in that, the principle comes in of you in your life, we must ask God this question. God, you, or me? You or me? And what am I referring to? As God is building you into a spiritual house, in 1 Peter 2 we found that out, we are being built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, correct? Yeah. Or are we? Are we being built on the cornerstone or are we trying to fit the cornerstone into our lifestyle? Are we really being founded on the rock of Jesus Christ or are we saying, Jesus, you're good, I think you're a cool person, I want you in my life in some form or fashion, but for me to be founded on you will change my entire position of my life because yeah. the cornerstone sets the position for the entire structure that you're building and so many of us, I find we do this with our lives. Rather than being built on the cornerstone, we try to fit the cornerstone into our life. Yeah. Instead of our marriage being founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, we run to Jesus when our marriage is in crisis because it's not really on the cornerstone. See, we want some form of God in our marriage, but not really to control all of our marriage. 
We want some form of God in our household, but heaven forbid when he begins to dictate everything in the household. See, the difference of the man who crashed and the man who stood, as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, was the difference was the one man had his complete life built on the rock, the cornerstone, and when the rains came and the floods came and everything else came, he did not fall. But the one who didn't and just wanted to have part of it on there, it fell with a great crash. See, you would never build a house on two foundations. You always build it on a singular foundation. And I've seen buildings built half concrete, half pier and beam. And you know what happens after time? You have a split right down the middle because the ground shifts. But when it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how much the ground shifts because the cornerstone is set in place and it sets the principle or the position for the entire structure that's going to be built. And so in this, we've got to begin to understand that as we go forward, are you asking God to bless what is not built on him? Mm. Are we asking God to bless what is not built on him? If your career is not built on Jesus Christ and everything you do in your career is not to further the kingdom of God and you're saying, God bless my career, you're saying, God bless something that's not founded on you and you wonder why you're in a stalemate in your career. See, are we asking God to bless things that are not founded on him? For example, we all love to say this phrase, oh, God bless America. Maybe we should change our terminology, terminology to God forgive America. Because why are we asking him to bless something that's not really founded on him? I'm not getting into a political argument here. I know what the forefathers did. I know what the Constitution is. I understand all that. But right now, in the current status of the United States of America, we have not turned our face to the Father. We turned our face to every other answer except Jesus Christ. And so by us saying, God bless America once again, the Bible says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and God will hear from heaven and heal their land and forgive our sins. So why are we asking God to bless something that's not founded on him? The day is coming and the time is now and today is the day that we begin to say every area of my life that is not founded on Jesus Christ, Father, show me. Show me because the day is coming when everything in your life will get hit by rain, wind, and floods, whether personally or politically or governmentally or whatever. I don't know the scenario, but in that day, I want your marriage to be strong. I want your careers to stay solid. I want your life to be founded on the rocks so much that everything else can be falling apart around you, but people are still looking to you because your life ain't bad. I love the story in Genesis where the man planted in a year of famine and in that same year reaped a hundredfold return. See, God wants to do the miraculous and the remarkable with you, but he can't until you're founded on him. And so we must get into what God wants us founded on. And so you ask yourself this question this morning, God, is it you or me? And whatever in your life is struggling, it must first be inspected to see if it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles for the double dip today to Job chapter number 38. Job chapter number 38. Some of y'all are already looking at me weird because you know my opinion of Job. I'll explain it in a minute. Job chapter 38, kick it off in verse 2, and this is what it says. God is talking, and he finally answers Job after 38 chapters. <laughs> Some of y'all ever felt like that in your life? God, we're 38 chapters in. You finally talking? <laughs> he wants to talk to you. But sometimes you've got to get rid of all your unbelieving, yapping friends that are talking junk in your ear. 
And he finally speaks up and talks to Job. And I love Job 38 and the next couple chapters because they get good. Job 38 verse 2, God speaks and he's talking to Job and says, Who is this that darkens my counsel by words without knowledge? Verse 3, dress yourself for action like a man. I like the way the NIV says it better. He says, brace yourself like a man. Stand up and talk to me face to face. Come on now. Mm. It says, brace yourself like a man. God says, I will question you and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched it? Who stretched the line up on it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Everybody say cornerstone. Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Now I need you to buckle up because we're going to roll through this message real quick, okay? And as we're buckling up and we're going to roll through this message real quick, I want you to begin to understand before any building is ever built, you've got to realize that you need to build it on the rock of Jesus Christ. We've used this rock for about four weeks now as an illustration. I'm so glad the series is done because that's a heavy rock. But as you're going to begin to build a building, God has a plan and a purpose for your life that was made and ordained before the foundations of the earth were ever laid, and they're called the blueprints for your life. You're going to hear a lot about blueprints over the next two years as TWBC is rocking out the amazing things that it's going to do. And so as we get blueprints for our life, the first thing you've got to do before you ever start working on the foundation is you've got to do some groundwork. You've got to do some ground clearing and you've got to do some ground leveling. And in your doing the ground clearing, we're going to clear some ground right quick between God and between Job and between the new covenant that we're living in and the time and the era that Job lived in. Listen to this. What about Job? Job takes place in mid to early Genesis. Some of y'all are like, what? Yeah. Mid to early Genesis. Some think he was before Abraham. Some think he was after Abraham. Either way, it's three covenants ago. Okay, the Bible is a book of covenants where God has made promises to his people about how he's going to send Jesus Christ to this earth for the redemption of all mankind. It is a book of covenants. And if you read it in any other way, you're reading it with a messed up perception of what God's really trying to do. You've got to read the Bible as a book of promises of covenants to you, his people, the Gentiles who have been brought into the kingdom of God by faith. In Jesus Christ. And so in this, we've got to do some groundwork. A, he was either pre-Abraham or just after Abraham. And so people, many times, we take the word of Job over the word of Jesus himself. Yeah, come on. Let me give you an example. Y'all all know Job 121. The Lord, oh, I'll start with the full thing so you get the full effect. Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> really? And I have more believers standing on that verse than John 10.10. 10, where the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you would have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So you can stand on Job and I'll stand on Jesus and we'll see where we end up in the end. 
But here's what I want to clear up about Job. Job said this, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. And I'm not knocking the canon of the scriptures and I'm not making fun of the, the inerrancy of the word of God because I believe God's word is perfect and holy. And so I began to look up, the Lord has taken away. This is what it means in the Hebrew. The Lord has put it in his hands. The Lord has took it in his hands. Why do you think at the end of Job everything doubled? Why do you think at the end of Job everything doubled? Because whatever God touches, it multiplies. That's why he said husbands and wives, get together, multiply, be fruitful. Rule the earth and subdue it. Come on, I mean, it's what he said. Whatever God touches, it begins to multiply. So when he, the Lord has taken away, no, the Lord has took Job's stuff in his hands, and by the end of Job, he gives it back double. Except for his kids, because his kids were never lost, because he made sacrifices by faith in the beginning of his life. So his kids weren't lost, so he didn't get double kids, because he knows exactly where all the kids were. But the possessions that he had, he doubled them all. Now listen, if you're going to use the Bible, you may as well use it right. And I've heard more people build theology out of Job 121, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, than out of John 10.10, where Jesus said, I am. And, and a lot of versions say, I have come. But the true Greek in that is, I am come. The great I am has come. And I am come that you would have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to stand on Jesus' words. And I'm going to stand on the word of God. And so as we're clearing ground about John 10.10 and about Job 1.21, listen to this. Our theology, it's our beliefs, our practices, and our experience based on the study of God and God's relation to you in the world. Listen, Greek um, theology is a word that comes from the Greek. It's theos, which means God, and logia, which means words. It's a word related to logos or the written word. And so it's theos, logia, which means it's the discourse or the account or the words of God that you study and put belief and practices in. So whenever I use the word theology, it's a word from the Greek that you have applied to your life, and your theology is what you believe and practice. If many of you say this, I believe in tithing, but you don't do it, you got messed up theology because you're saying one thing and doing another. If you say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I love him with all my heart, but you go act like a fool, you got messed up theology. Because you're doing one thing and saying another. This is the problem they have that the world has with the church. Our theology, we say, is one thing, but our actions are a completely different thing. And so therefore, we're in this mess that we're in. And so as we move forward... You've got to understand that God has a purpose and a plan. And so in God's building plans, he lays it out in the book of Job. Listen to this. He laid out Jesus for the first time in the book of Job. Did you get that? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang and the sons of God rejoiced together? He laid out Jesus in the book of Job. And so in God's building plan, in Job 38, verse 2, it talks about five things. It talks about foundations, measurements, stretch line, bases, and the cornerstone. And so as we jump into this this morning, I want to talk real quickly about the foundation. The foundation. Now, the foundation, it's not like what you're thinking. Many of you are thinking the foundation, it's the actual concrete. Actually, the foundation, what they're talking about is after the ground is cleared, what is the next thing you do? You put forms up. You put wood up all the way around so you can pour the foundation into it. 
But as that begins to happen, as you put forms up, God had to put the foundation or the forms in place for the, what he was going to do. And the Bible says this in, in Colossians 1.17. He, talking about Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Colossians 1.17, write that scripture down. He is before all things, before Job even existed, and in him, Jesus Christ, all things hold together. That's why you got to be founded on him, because in him, all things hold together. Even the things you don't understand are, are going on in your life. So you got to get founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And if we are Christians, all of our theology must start on the basis of Jesus Christ and the cornerstone that he is. Every bit of our beliefs, our actions, our experiences, all summed up in the word theology, God and the study of who he is through his word must be founded on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'll get to why here in just a few minutes. So our theology is there. The Bible says in John 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word, and, and, and he was with God in the beginning. All things, listen to this, all things, everybody say all things. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is telling you, I am all things and they were all made through me because I am the word of God that was made flesh and came to dwell among you. Get this picture out of your head. He wasn't the Bible sitting up in God's hands. Okay, a lot of you think when you read that, it wasn't talking about the logos. It was talking about the rhema. He was the rhema of God, the revealed. Rhema means revealed word of God. He was the rhema of God right there with God in the beginning. And the Bible says that he was with God in the beginning and the spirit of God was hovering over the earth. And so you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there in the first three verses of Genesis. Okay, he's revealing himself through you to, to you through the whole scripture. And so in that, we've got to realize everything is about Jesus Christ. The first prophecy in Genesis 3.15 is about Jesus Christ. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall, and he shall bruise your head, or I'm sorry, he will crush your head, but you will bruise his heel. It's talking about Jesus Christ on the cross. So in Genesis 3.15, he prophesied of the cross, how Jesus would come to you and take care of you through the cross, but you've got to make him your cornerstone and you've got to make him your foundation. So what we're talking about right here is when in Job, when we just read the, the passage in Job, and it says, where were you? It says, dress yourself like a man and make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? That's Jesus Christ. He is the forms of everything that we do. He is the beginning. Then it talks about the measurements. After you put up the forms, what do you do? You measure to make sure everything's in its proper place. You go back and measure where the forms are to make sure the plumbing runs into the right place, to make sure the faucets are in the right area, to make sure the washer and the dryer can go in the right places and they got the right hookups. You measure. So God, in his infinite wisdom, have you ever known that nothing has just occurred to God? You know, God didn't wake up one day and say, oh, it's a great idea. God has never had an idea. He always had all the ideas. He's all knowledge. Right, yeah. So nothing has ever just occurred to God, and nothing surprises God. And so from before the Bible was even written, he has this plan to build a spiritual house out of you, and it starts with the foundation or the forms, and then he wants to measure what's going on in your life. Now, a lot of people don't like measurements because it means accountability. 
Hey, come on now. Let's get some accountability in our life. Let's see what God has planned for us. Measure means to place, to properly place things in the right area. And so as he begins to do this, I want to walk you through the whole Bible in about five minutes. Can you, you believe me? No, Monica's over there like, I don't believe him. He can't do it. All right, put me on the clock. It's 941. Here we go. The Old Testament, he wanted to put things in the proper place. And all of the Old Testament scriptures are centered around the coming of Christ. The law is the foundation laid for Jesus Christ. And the books of the law are Genesis through Deuteronomy. And so the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, everybody who was being raised in Jewish culture had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Memorize them. Y'all mad about Psalm 23 when you were a kid. Come on now. They had to memorize the first five books of the Bible because they knew it was the foundation as God was going to use them to save the whole world and bring all people back into relationships. So they knew how fundamentally strong they had to be. They memorized the first five books of the Bible. Then the next books of the Bible, Joshua through Esther, are the history. They're the preparation for Christ. Then you have the poetry books of the Old Testament. It's the aspiration of Christ. That's Psalms through Song of Solomon and Limitations. And so in that, God is saying, I'm measuring things out. I'm putting things in place. I'm giving you the whole law i'm giving you all the history that leads up to jesus i'm giving you the psalms and the proverbs and the aspirations of jesus christ and they're all the cornerstone of jesus christ and you can't separate them because they're all the proper measurements to put all the things in the right places leading up to christ then he goes on so you got the foundations you got the measurements and then you got the stretch line in construction it's known as the plumb line and so you have the law, you got the first five books, you got the history, you got Joshua through Esther, you got the, you got the poetry books, that's, uh, that's Psalms through Song of Solomon and Limitation, but then you got the prophet books. Come on now. You got the prophet books that are the plumb line of all the aspirations and the poetry and the emotions and the swing. The prophets come in and say, we're drawing a line. <laughs> They are the stretch line that God put in place through all of history to make sure as you're building a building, you don't just want the forms in the right places. You don't just want to make sure it's measured right. You want to make sure it's square, right? Yeah. You don't want a room that's kind of cockeyed looking, right? Yeah. Y'all ever seen a crooked room? You walk in and you, you're not really sure what's wrong, but you kind of just start going. Or you see a picture on the wall that's crooked and you just automatically go. Right? We got a lot of Christians walking around like this. Because you don't have stretched lines or plumb lines in your life to keep you accountable. So therefore, you're starting to see things crooked. Therefore, you make more theology out of Job 121 than John 10 10. And we got to have some people in our life. And I'm not saying you got to hold the office of a prophet to keep somebody accountable, but the church has the office of the prophet still to hold the body of Christ accountable. You need somebody with godly wisdom in your life that'll say, straighten up. Hey, read your Bible. Hey, you need to get into worship, not get into, get, into, get into moaning and groaning and murmuring and complaining. You know, more damage is done by murmuring and complaining behind closed doors than spoken words in front of people. Because God sees the motives and intents of the heart. And what you gripe about on your bedtime, in your pillow, what you don't like about her or him because they've been mean to you today, Right? Come on. I mean, if my wife is mad at me, I want her to talk to me. I give her plenty of opportunity to be mad, little opportunity to talk. <laughs> right? But I want her, if she's mad, to talk to me. I don't want her murmuring and complaining in the pillow at night when she goes to bed because it gives the devil a foothold in her life. Yeah. 
That's why it says get your stuff right before you go to sleep because you think about it all night long and you wake up in the morning twice as mad. Y'all don't like what I'm preaching today. You don't want me to hold you accountable. Come on, God put measuring lines in place to hold things accountable. And then that's the prophets, and they are the expectation of Christ. That's Isaiah through Malachi. But then at the end of Malachi, many of you know there's 400 years of silence. What 400 years of silence? Somebody's looking back at the clock. I got one minute. I'm doing good. You got 400 years of silence. And the Bible says you got foundations or forms, you got measurements, and you got the stretch line, but then you also have bases that were put in place. In Job, he said their bases, or where were its bases sunk, the Bible says. There's 400 years of silent time. But listen, silence from God does not mean that God is not working. Silence from God does not mean that God is not working. The 400 years of silent times, he was using the Greek culture and the Roman culture to make everything on the earth physically line up. We got the Greek language that came into play through Alexander the Great in the year, um, what was it, 336 B.C. Alexander the Great went on his conquest, took over the whole known earth at the time, and the Greek language was instituted. So the world had one language, and it was Greek. But then at the fall of Greece, Romans came into power, and Romans weren't known so much for their intellect, but their massive army and their huge slave labor force, and they put roads and infrastructure all throughout the land and modern amenities for their day. So when the birth of Jesus Christ was coming about, the world had one known language, Greek. That's why you translate everything from Greek, right? Theology, theos, logia, Greek, theology. We translate it. You always hear the Greek translation. That's why. Because when Jesus was born, the main language was Greek. It wasn't Roman. Because the Greeks had infiltrated everything to such a high level. Then the Romans came in, took over, built massive roads, massive infrastructure. How do you think Joseph and Mary got from where they were down to where they had to go before Je- when Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem? There was infrastructure in place built by the Roman armies that enslaved 75% of the population of the earth was enslaved at the time. Y'all don't want world history in here. Come on. But in that 400 years that the world, the church world says God was silent, he wasn't silent. He was using the very people who would crucify him to build the empire that he would come into first. He wasn't silent at all. He was working on something. He was putting bases in place. And the bases that it's talking about, it's like the bottom of a column. You ever seen a round column, but it's got a square base? That's the base to hold up the structure of the whole column that holds up the structure of the house. God says, I got to put some bases in place. So now I got my foundation and I got the measurements now. I got the stretch line to keep it in order. I got the base in place. Now I'm going to put the cornerstone right where it belongs. Come on now. He knows what he's doing all along. And if he organized all of history from Genesis all the way up to the birth of Christ, just like that, through the books of the law, the books of history, the books of the poetry, the books of the prophet, now into the New Testament where it's the coming of Christ. Come on. He knows what he's doing when he's building something. And he looks at you and says, I'm building a spiritual house out of you. He knows what he's doing. you got to start trusting him. Because the God of the miracle is still the God of the process. Embrace the process if you haven't gotten the miracle. And it's hard. I know it's hard. It's not always fun. But you got to embrace it because he's building something out of you. And the New Testament is the fulfillment of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, uh, depict Jesus. Matthew as the king. Mark is the servant. Luke is humanity. And John is deity. Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, was written to the Jewish people. The gospel of Mark was written to... um, The Gospel of Mark was written to the Roman people. The Gospel of Luke was written to the Greek people. And John was written to the whole world. That's how the New Testament lined out. And so he's got four people 
um, signifying four different realms in the earth and everything the Bible says must be confirmed by the mouth of at least two or three witnesses. When there's a fourth involved, it's a done deal. So he wrote four gospels. Come on now. He's building something. Hey, listen. When you'll get ex as excited about information that brings revelation rather than just momentary inspiration, your life will be a lot more secure. When you'll embrace this history lesson that I'm giving you about Jesus, you'll have a lot stronger theology than me just using good, quick catchphrases that get you excited. I would rather a church be excited about information that leads to true revelation rather than just inspiration that amounts to nothing. So I'm not giving this for no reason. I'm giving this on purpose and, and with a plan to prove to you that nothing just happens in the mind of God. He's got it set out and laid out from the beginning of time. And so the cornerstone comes into place. And now listen to Job 2, 38, 2 through 4 again. It says, who is this, talking Job, who darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? He said, Job, stand up. You've entered my presence. But you haven't brought light. You've brought darkness. And you've darkened my counsel. Of people read revelation if you want to know his counsel of people you've darkened my counsel because you've spoken words without knowledge God I don't know why you gave me this man or this woman <laughs> stand up and brace yourself like a man or a woman because you just darkened his counsel with words without knowledge he knows what he's doing when he gave you the person you're married to he knows what he's doing Ooh, I, I need 45 more minutes come on I'm gonna wrap this up <laughs> And then it says, brace yourself like a man, dress for action. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you, Job, are going to tell me what's going on. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Everybody say understanding. understanding. Remember this in the book of Hebrews. We've said it over and over again. Hebrews 11.3, if you have understanding. We, by faith, we understand. We mess up church because we try to understand by faith. You can't mix up the words of God. He's got them there in a perfect order for a reason. He's not dumb. The, 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 the people in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the law failed them, not that the law was bad. The law was perfect. The law was holy. The law came from God. You're in the church saying, oh, the law was horrible. The law wasn't horrible. The law was perfect. It was from God. It was his first love note to them. They just didn't take it by faith. They tried to, the Bible says, because they did not even observe the law by faith, they failed misery and it, miserably and it caused them to die. Yeah. So in this church, you've got to do this. You cannot approach God by your understanding. You've got to approach him by faith. Because then by faith, you'll gain understanding. When Job finally shut his mouth and listened to God, and this friend shut his mouth and listened to God, he went before God and then finally by faith kicked in, then he began to get understanding at the end of God's discourse. Okay, so it's always by faith we understand. And he asked Job that question. Tell me if you have understanding. Job's answer, nope. Actually, he didn't answer at all. Smart guy. Sometimes it's wiser to shut up than to speak up. Amen. And so he asked this question. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when I started the process? Revelation 13.8 says this. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So before the foundations of the earth were ever laid, Jesus Christ was already slain in the heavenlies in the mind of God. Before anything you know of the earth's existence, he was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever even laid. Before in, in Job, when it says right up here, it says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. So when now God did his stuff in the earth, he always had the cornerstone in mind. He always had Jesus in mind, which means he always had you in mind. 
And in this, you've got to realize he's got you in mind. And then verse 6 and 7, it's continuous. And, and as we jump down to verse 6 and 7, I want you to read it how it really is. It's continuous in the scriptures. And in the English language, we broke it up. And I want you to read this like it's really meant to be. As it's continuous in the scriptures, it says, Or where or on what were its bases sunk? Phrase ends. Now this whole next thing that I'm about to read is supposed to be one straight long phrase. We in the English have put a, a number by it and made it a different verse and a comma behind it which separates thoughts when this wasn't supposed to be separated as thoughts. Go study your Greek and Hebrew. Because this is what happened right here. It says, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So the Bible is saying this, when I laid Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, when I put Jesus Christ in his proper place, at that moment, all the stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Yeah. That means all the angels, sons of God means angels. It says, when I put Jesus Christ in the place where he's called to be, from the blueprints that I've had before the foundations of the earth were ever laid, I put him in his place. At that moment, all the stars and all the galaxies began to sing before the Father. And the sons of God, the angels, shouted for joy because he knew redemption is always possible for a people who needed it. Yeah. Come on now. And I mean full redemption. And I struggle with the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away because people have made a brokenness theology out of somebody and something and you that God never intended for you to be broken. He intended for you to be restored, made whole, made healed, nothing missing, nothing broken, complete in him, founded on the cornerstone called Jesus Christ. That's why I love reading about Miss Dawn's uh, ministry, Radical Restoration. She takes broken people and makes them whole. She doesn't take people and try to break them more. Come on. Oh, if we're broken, a little light will shine through. If you're fixed, a lot of light's going to go forth. I don't know about you. If it's dark, I don't want a broken, cracked flashlight. I mean, come on now. Let's think a little bit. Lord, mm, I'm calming down. Boy, there's a reason I struggle with people's Job theology because... They darken the counsel of God with words without knowledge. Yeah, oh, but now that you know you're accountable for, there's a measuring line in your life. That's right. And now that you're accountable for, you're brought to the place where you get to go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when he was laid, the morning stars, all the stars sang together, and the angels, the sons of God, rejoiced in the heavens. Why? Because Ephesians 2.8 is now a possibility. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not understanding, through faith you've been saved. And then through faith, it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Yeah. I'm going to make it real easy for you this morning. The whole purpose of this whole message is one thing. Jesus Christ was never a mistake. Yeah. Jesus Christ didn't happen by accident. Revelation 13, 8 said he was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. He was slain before you were thought of. Well, that's not theologically true because God can't think of something he's never thought of before, but you understand what I'm saying. He was slain because he knew the price he would have to pay for you, and he did it anyway. The one takeaway I want you to get from this message is this. Jesus Christ has never been a mistake. He was never one in a million he was God's planned destiny from the foundation of the earth in the day that it was laid. 
And many times, we want to build our life on everything but Jesus and ask Jesus to come into our home and bless it. When truly the only thing he wants to bless is what's founded on him. So I want to ask you this morning, as the worship team comes, as the ministers begin to pray, we're going to make this altar call happen really quick. I'm not going to say we're speeding up the altar call, but I'm speeding up the time from when I say stand and pray to the time you get to come. So ministers, pray quick. I hope your life's right. <laughs> and if it's not, stay praying. We'll get somebody else to pray with people. Here's what I need you to know. In this moment, right here, right now, look at every aspect of your life. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Look at every aspect of your life. Tell me what parts, no, don't tell me, tell him what parts that you know right now are not founded on him. Some of you in this room, your marriage isn't founded on him. You got a good marriage, but it's not a God marriage. And he says, if you let me, if you let me move it, shift it, put it on my rock, it'll become all that you've been destined to become. Some of you this morning, your, your household's not founded on the rock of Jesus Christ, and you wonder why your kids are doing what they're doing. And I know God can redeem all things and make all things new, but let's get founded on him in the first place. Some of you with your spiritual walk, you want God and Jesus on Sunday, but don't, you don't really want to go around him on Monday. You want God to really be like a loop around a city. You're close enough to get to the inner workings to get what you need, but not close enough to really be involved. You want God to be on the outside of your life. But God said, I want to be on the inside of your life. And the Bible says this in Romans 10, 9. If you confess out loud that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be founded on the cornerstone, the rock of Jesus Christ. And you'll be a new creation in Christ Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for the next 15 seconds, I want you to respond to God. He said, I'm going to ask you a question. The question is this. Is there a part of your life that's not founded on Jesus Christ?